This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry. If this is your first time, we're glad that you're with us. And if it's not, and you've been here before, we're glad that you're back with us. We're here at Jail Ministry because we're all about studying the Bible. And that's what we're going to do today. And I'm excited about this. Uh, I've been working on a new series, and I'm going to entitle it Christian Doctrine. And this is going to be an overview of what are the essential doctrines that Christians believe. And I usually come across this for two reasons, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Because doctrine is important, because if we're studying the Bible, we're studying doctrine. But a lot of people, times people say, well, I don't care about those doctrines. I just want to study Jesus, or I'm going to study this. Well, that is important, because there are doctrines to Jesus. And we're going to talk about that, like the incarnation of Christ, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And we need to understand doctrine. It's very important. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get your Bible, have it there in front of you. I will be giving you a lot of scripture uh, verses and references and passages, and we'll be reading a lot of those together in the time that we have together. So together, let's study Christian doctrine. Now, I would say... This is important to understand. The purpose of doctrine is not to divide. There are churches or people or whatever. There's one church, by the way, and Christ is the head of his church. There are people who like to divide over doctrine. And that's not good. Because doctrine is to unite us as Christians. Now, maybe you're not a Christian. You may be Muslim. Maybe you're something else, another religion. I don't know. But it's important to understand what we as Christians believe and what is essential doctrine. I'll give you an example. Essential doctrine, one of these, is the Trinity. This is crucial. This is essential to us as a Christian, as a believer, for us to say that we are Christian. Now, I remember an instance in my life where I was visiting with a, say visiting, I was talking with a man and his wife over lunch. And in that conversation, we were talking about the Trinity, and he just blurts out, well, what do you mean? Jesus is not God. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute here. You say you're a Christian, but you are denying that Jesus is God in the flesh. That is essential doctrine, because the Jesus that he believes in does not exist. And this is important for our Christian walk. There's no need to argue about it, but we need to understand that these doctrines, they encourage us when we read the Bible. We should recognize them, see them. We need to meditate on them. So it's to unite the church, and Christ is the head of his church. However, at times it may be necessary to separate over fundamental doctrines of faith and practice. While we are on this side of heaven, keep in mind, there will always be differences between us 
There are different denominations. There's nothing wrong with this. Some people think you need to be sprinkled to be baptized. Some people believe that you need to be dunked to be dunked in water to be baptized. That's not essential. Baptism, okay, is important, very important. I don't want to minimize baptism. So keep these in mind. We must learn to walk in humility, very important, and mercy towards all people. Nevertheless, there are certain fundamental doctrines that define me as a Christian. There are certain fundamental doctrines that define Christianity. We must defend these. It's very important. We need to be able to discuss these and to defend. We need to be able to give an answer for the faith that is within us, says the scripture. Okay? They are non-negotiable. These are Christian doctrines. So, let's start with the first one. Now, I'll read all of them at first, if you're taking some notes. And what we're going to do is a series on Christian doctrine. So, this is Christian doctrine, <clears throat> an overview. The first one, number one, is the authority of the Bible. You could say authority of Scripture. Number two is the Trinity. Now, some people say, well, the Trinity is not, the word Trinity is not the Bible. So what? Okay. We do see the Trinity in Scripture. The universality of sin. And we're going to cover this in depth. Number four is the incarnation of the Son of God. God became man. He's fully God. He's fully man. Number five is the death of Christ. This is essential doctrine. Christ did die. And you're like, well, what does that say that in the Bible? There, are, there is a, religion that says, a religion that says that Jesus didn't die. Yes, he did. And there were eyewitnesses to it. And we have an empty tomb okay, to this day. So we see the death of Christ. We also see, very importantly, our hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is essential doctrine. To say that there was no resurrection... There's no faith. You're not a Christian. Seven, salvation by faith alone. That is very important. Our salvation is not based on what you do or what I do. Salvation is not based on works plus faith. That's what I find a lot of other religions do. It's by faith alone through grace alone. The next one, number eight, is the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And what we believe about the Holy Spirit is important because of the Trinity. Also, the second coming. We know, we see from Scripture that Christ, our Messiah, will return again. And then we have, and I combine the two because I've already done a sermon or I say a lesson on hell is we're going to, the doctrine of heaven and hell. There are some cults, I call them cults, I won't name them by name, but they do not believe in heaven, and they don't believe in hell. So we're going to talk about that as well. Is that essential doctrine? Yes, it is. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. And Jesus taught about both of these. So we see all of these essential doctrines in the scriptures, and these are so important to our Christian faith. So let's go back to the first one. Now I'm going to do an overview of each one of these. 
and then we will go into each one of these. So just very quickly though, I'm going to give you a few scripture references and then we will dig deeper as we take the next one as the authority of scripture, or I say the authority of the Bible. The first verse when I speak about the authority of the Bible comes to mind is 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for instruction, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be made complete. Did you catch that? All scripture is inspired by who? Inspired by God. We will say sometimes about the authority of scripture, and I hear this when I'm evangelizing, is that, well, I will ask somebody, what is your, your world view? Where, do, where is your starting place? I start with the authority of scripture. Now, I remember one time someone saying, well, when you witness to someone, if you're witnessing to a Muslim or someone else, maybe Hindu, is you need to, let's just set the Bible aside for a little bit and let's just have a conversation. Absolutely not. I'm not speaking on my own behalf. I am speaking, okay, what Jesus has taught, what the scriptures teach. I stand on the word of God. This is so important. So if someone is, I don't say, demeaning or negating scripture and you we don't want to take the authority of God as like a buffet or a cafeteria and say well I'll pick that one over there but no I don't want that one over there that's very dangerous so we know that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for it says it doctrine for reproof and for correction and training in righteousness. Now, you may say, well, you know, the Bible is written by men. So what? I hear that. And what they're insinuating is that because the Bible is written by men, there are errors in the Bible. There is not a single error in the Word of God. None. Now, you may not understand it. I may not understand it. But there are no errors. So we... There are no, this is very important. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. So 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. And I'm going to read this to you. Knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Scripture comes from God, meaning that God called men to write his words. And they did that through inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, with their different personalities, their different characteristics. And then we have a canonized Bible. We don't have the apocryphal books, okay, for a reason. It's not part of the canonized structure of the Bible. You can trust the Word of God because it is inspired by God. So when I hear of someone, and there's a very popular book, Jesus Calling, and I'll call it out like it is, this author believes that she hears God speaking to her, that she has this special, she says she gets revelation from God. 
There is no new revelation from God. Keep that in mind. So my radar goes up when someone, and I had this one time on a vacation, she says, well, God speaks to me. I said, well, really, what is he saying to you right now? You got to be careful. It says that he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus, and he is the word. And we have the word today. We have him dwelling within us. Here's another one I want to go to is in second, or I'm sorry, first Thessalonians 2.13. So if you'll just go back in your Bible a little bit to first Thessalonians 2.13, and I'll read it aloud. It says this, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So this is the authority of the Bible. And there are other verses also which we will dig into as well. So let's move on and an overview. Number two is the Trinity. And like I said, some people will say, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. I hear this from religions and cults that come knocking on my door. And I love it when they come to my door because I know that the crucial issue is not going to come to whether they believe that Jesus is the son of Lucifer, which he is not. It's going to come down to the Trinity. Who does Jesus say he is? And so it's very important to understand that there is one true God who exists and three distinct and equal persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what we refer to as the Trinity. And we will spend a lot of time on this and this is so important because if you deny that Jesus is God in the flesh then you believe in a different Jesus and there are religions out there and I remember this very importantly in John 8 24 it says if you believe not that I am he you will die in your sins for anyone to not believe that he is God in the flesh you will die in your sins and that means hell the third one is what I refer to as the universality of sin. What do I mean by that? We are, we are sinners because we what? We sin. We have a nature to sin. All men, and when I say men, I'm referring to men and women. So keep that in mind. All men and women are born with what we call a fallen nature. Inherited from the first Adam. This fallen nature results in rebellion against God and disobedience to his law. It's important to understand this. We're going to dig into it in a whole different study on its own is the universality of sin. We also know from the Bible, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Why do 10 out of 10 people die? Because of sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is in Romans 3.23 and I believe Romans 6.23. I have a lot of other verses as well, so we'll dig into that one. Number four is the incarnation of the Son of God. What do I mean by this? That's a big word, incarnation. It means 2,000 years ago, the eternal 
son of God was conceived in the womb of a virgin and was born the God man who is this Jesus of Nazareth the son of God the son of man he was fully God and fully man now I remember studying back in school years ago and I got a little bit confused about the incarnation with the coming of the son of God with what we call a theophany and what I mean by a theophany is you will say well the angel of the Lord or who appeared there were three angels that appeared to Abraham who was that well there were two angels but we also see the Lord is that the incarnation no that's a theophany we see that in, in Genesis that it says that the Lord walked in the garden who is that that is the Lord that's a theophany. So I'm essential doctrine focuses. So we see that theophany in the Old Testament. But then in the fullness of time, we see the incarnation. This is very important. And yes, that is an essential doctrine. That God became man. He's fully God, fully man, born of a virgin. This is very important to us as Christians. The fifth one is the death of Christ. Did Jesus die? There's a lot of lies out there today that say he didn't die. Well, we have God's word because God's word is self-authenticating. God said it. I believe it. All scripture is inspired by God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the eternal son of God, carried our sins upon the cross of Calvary and died in our place as what we call a substitutionary atonement or sacrifice I should say his death not your own his death satisfied the demands of God's justice see God's wrath abides upon the unsaved did you catch that because they do not have the righteousness of Christ Jesus so his death is an essential doctrine. If he hadn't have come and he hadn't have died, we would never have salvation. I wouldn't be a Christian. But it was to, we talked about this in another lesson when we called it propitiation. It means to satisfy. Meaning Jesus' death satisfied the demands of God's justice against who? Against you. Against me. And it appeased his atonement, his death, appeased the wrath of God towards us. Because the Bible teaches that when you're unsaved, you are an enmity with God. Meaning you are an enemy of God. But when I was born again, and I was saved of God, for God, from God, I became his friend and his servant. And it makes his death makes it possible for me or possible for God, I should say, to maintain his justice while forgiving me a guilty sinner. Without his death and his atonement, I have nothing. So it is an essential doctrine. The next one, number six, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of of Christ our Messiah after three days after he died in the tomb Jesus was raised from the dead with the same physical body that died his resurrection was a real event 
in real time in real history. To deny this is to not be a Christian. And the resurrection was witnessed by men and women. And there's much to say about the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Number seven is salvation by faith. Oh, there's so much I could say right now just about the salvation of Jesus. And one or I should say the salvation by faith alone through grace alone. And the one verse or passage that comes to mind is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and this not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest you boast about it. It's a gift. And you did not produce that gift. You did not work for that gift, lest you boast about it. So we see this contrast between what the Bible says in Ephesians and what other religions say. You may be a Mormon, you may be a Jehovah Witness, maybe you're Muslim, maybe you're Christian, and you believe the truth of God's Word. And there is a difference here because the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith. This is very important to understand. You are not saved by works plus faith equals salvation. No. You cannot add one good work to what Jesus did on the cross when he made atonement. You can't add anything. If you think that you're a good person, you're wrong. You can do good deeds. I've done good deeds in my life. But those good deeds and those good works will never get you to heaven. Because my question then becomes, how much good are you going to have to do? How, much, how, much, how many good works would a Christian have to do to go to heaven? It doesn't work that way. So over and again we see, and this is a big contention today, between what I call Christianity and Roman Catholicism. It's either by faith alone or it's not. We trust in the authority of God. We trust in the authority of Scripture. And if you're trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, then I would say you're a Christian. This is so important because if you add anything to it, it's not going to work. So salvation is by faith alone. The redeeming work of Jesus Christ was perfect. Mm -hmm. Met the demands of God. We have neither need nor ability to add anything to for our salvation. It's not going to work. Salvation is grace through faith and is not of our own merit. Is it a gift of God? And we will dig deep into this one. There is only one mediator... Not mediatrix. There is only one mediator between God and men, and that is in 1 Timothy 2.5. There is only one name given to men by whom they must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's in Acts 4.12. Number eight is the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a he. Okay? Holy Spirit, he. The Holy Spirit is God and is usually referred to as the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is important. I know it's difficult for some people to understand this. And there's books written on the Holy Spirit. But we do need to have a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is essential doctrine. To deny the Holy Spirit, to say that the Holy Spirit is not God, is wrong. This is important to understand. He dwells within the heart of every person who is genuinely converted through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does not dwell within the unsaved. And we see the Holy Spirit move in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis. So we need to understand who He is. Because He is essential doctrine. Number nine is the second coming. Now Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will come to earth again to save his church and to judge the world. Did you catch that? He will not come with forgiveness. And he will come, we see from scripture one more time. We see this. But he will come with judgment, not forgiveness. You won't get a second chance. This is so important that you need to think about this now. That he will return. He taught this clearly from the scriptures. He said that I go to build a home for you. Many, many rooms in this mansion. And I really look forward to digging into this one. The last one, and, and let me just say this too. It also says about the second coming before I move on to the last one. His coming will be visible. Oh yeah. And there were people who saw him after the resurrection. We will, as believers, see him again. But when he returns, those who have the righteousness of Jesus Christ will not be judged based on their works because they have the righteousness of Christ. But those, if you are unsaved and not a Christian, you will be judged based on the deeds done in your body and Noah works will account for that. And we know this from scripture. That he will return again. Not forgiveness, but in judgment. So keep that in mind. The last one that we will cover is heaven and hell. Every human being will live forever in one of two places. Either heaven or hell. Now you may say, well I don't believe in heaven or hell. Okay, fine. That doesn't make it truth. Somebody telling me, and I did hear this the other day, well, I don't, I don't really necessarily believe in hell. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but go stand on a 30-story building and jump off. You're going you're gonna to believe really quick in the law of gravity. The Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall die. Human beings have a soul. They have one soul. You have two eyes. And your eyes are only windows to your soul. Think about that for a minute. Would you sell me one of your eyes right now for one million dollars? I would think about it. A million dollars? Come on. I would stop and think about it. Would you sell me both of them for one billion dollars? 
You might say, well, I'll go see the world. No, you won't. You have two eyes and one soul. Now, your eyes are valuable. They're precious to you, right? But you want to keep them. How much more precious should your soul be to you? And you only get one soul. And your soul will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Now, heaven is real from the scriptures. You can deny it. We as Christians, this is essential doctrine. We as Christians believe there is a heaven and a hell. And let me say this also. In addition to every human being will live forever in one of two places. What are those two places? Heaven or hell. The redeemed will spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus in the favorable presence of God. Very important. The unbelieving will spend eternity in hell. I know that four letter word. Excluded from the favorable presence of God where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't want you to spend eternity in hell. Why do we do what we do? Because we love God and we love others. We love our neighbors. I mean, I could bring food in here. I could sing some great songs. Yeah, I can sing. But it's not going to do you any good if I don't tell you the truth. The most loving thing that we can do here at Jail Ministry in love is to tell you the truth. That's the most loving thing that we can do is to tell you the bad news and then to tell you the good news. That's very loving. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear the truth. And it may be not their time. I get that. But if you're listening and you're hearing today, I pray that you have repented of your sins and put your trust and faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. This is so important. So we're going to dig deeper into Christian doctrine. So come back and join us and we'll start with the authority of the Bible next time. God bless and until then, come back.